Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Immunizations, you know... A lot of times we're afraid of those shots when we're a kid, but we don't realize how important it is to protect ourselves from not just the types of infections people can get when they're children, but also those things that you can get as you go through your entire life. So today we're going to be talking with my wonderful guest in the studio, Dr. Doreen Uioka from Kaiser Permanente, and she's been in the field of pediatrics for almost two decades now. And we're going to talk about what are the usual vaccinations that are given to kids, what diseases are we trying to protect them from, and what are some of the vaccines that may have come out and been developed since we were all kids that might be available now to some folks who otherwise may not have taken advantage of this. Now, it is flu shot season, so as always, when I have patients ask me, do you recommend that I get a flu shot? The answer is, I definitely don't recommend you get the flu. So if the shot can protect you, you should really take a look at it. There are some folks who can't get it, but for everybody, we really want to make sure that people are protected and don't wind up getting sick throughout the year. So join me in welcoming Dr. Doreen here to the show. Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Now, there's there's a lot of immunizations that that kids get as they grow and as they're born and as they go through their first several years of life. What are some of the common shots that you recommend that we'll sort of start off with sort of the newborns and the young kids, and then we're going to kind of work our way towards the young adults and adolescents and even some of the folks that you might still see that I would start seeing around that teenage year time. So young babies, why is it important to give them shots? So newborn babies are always recommended to get a hepatitis B vaccine within the first 12 hours of being born, if possible, to have the best um, benefit and protection from potential hepatitis B being acquired at birth during the birth process. Because it could actually happen during childbirth. Yes. So you want to get that vaccine on board because that way you can protect the baby from having this chronic hepatitis B infection. Yes. And that could really affect you lifelong. Yes. So hepatitis B is, is tricky and dangerous because it can result in lifelong chronic liver disease as well as lead to liver cancer. And you have the opportunity, you know, from the newborn period to protect the baby so that they they will live a longer healthy life. So um, most parents do do decide to protect the baby. And it's not just one vaccine. There's a series. No, because vaccines need um, many vaccines need multiple boosters to have the best generation of antibody um, protection Uh, vaccines have a schedule that has been decided based on the age that you have the best protection and also protects protects children at the ages that they're most um most vulnerable to the to the severe conditions so when we talk about hepatitis b i remember i hadn't gotten these when i was a kid they didn't i don't think they existed and so my first day of medical school we got our first hep b shot and then four weeks later we got our second hep b shot and Five months after that, for a total of a six-month of a series, I got my third hepatitis B shot. So that's the usual schedule that we still follow for adults. Is that what we follow for kids, too? So for babies, we recommend it as a newborn, and then we recommend the next one at anywhere from one to two months of age, and then the third in in the primary series is at six months of age. So almost the same kind of a series. 
And if they happen to miss one shot, if you're an adult, depending on the duration of time, we just kind of either get you back into that booster shot, or if it's been several years, we might need to start it again. Yes. Similar for kids? Yes. So we do have the situations where we discover that someone has not developed the immunity or maintained the immunity to hepatitis B based on a blood test. And then we can advise the patient about repeating a, a single booster, retesting the blood test, um, or sometimes we'll opt for repeating the whole series altogether. So the good news is you can find out if you're an adult and you go, I don't know if I had hepatitis B vaccination, there's a blood test. Yes. So if you're not sure if you had it as a child, you can always screen to see if you've had that because the blood test says you're immune or you're not immune. Yep. Are there other shots that newborns should get maybe before they even leave the hospital? That's the main one. If a baby is at greater risk for hepatitis B because the baby's mother is a carrier for hepatitis B, someone who may be infected with hepatitis B, may not have symptoms, may have a blood test indicating hepatitis B infection. Um, the baby receives also an immunoglobulin shot for hepatitis B to give that added protection to try to clear up um, active virus that baby might be exposed to. So babies generally get hep B first shot yep, before it. they leave, and then maybe the immunoglobulin if there is a condition that the mother has been identified to have that requires additional protection. Yes. So there's a lot of other shots in the series. So hepatitis yep. B is yep. one. Do kids get hepatitis A vaccination now as a routine? Yes. So hepatitis A is also recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics for children at 12 months of age. And then the booster is given in, I'm sorry, the booster is given in another six months. So hepatitis A and B are vaccines that are often given now to kids immediately. Yep. Do they need to repeat hepatitis A vaccination later? Or once you get that vaccine, the two of those two doses, are you pretty much good forever? As far as I know that there's no additional booster needed at this time. And as that vaccine and reactions to um, maintained immunity you know, is, is studied, we have more information about whether or not a booster is needed in the future. But right now, there's no additional booster needed besides the two in the series. Okay. Now, what about the other types of vaccines? So kids in their first couple of years of life, they will get polio vaccination. Yes. They will get measles, mumps, rubella vaccination. There's that Hib vaccine. That's the hemophilus vaccine. So what are some of these shots and when in the series would children start to receive these? So the routine vaccines have a schedule that's recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, and it's easy to look up on the CDC website or the AAP website, American Academy of Pediatrics. But the next routine vaccines are recommended at two months of age, but can be given as early as six weeks of age. So they come in different um, different manufactured products. Um, because there are combination vaccines available, we don't have, we have less shots that babies need to get. So there's a combination, at least the one we give at Kaiser Permanente, is a combination of diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, polio, and hepatitis B. You can get them all in one shot now? Yes. So they've this, this um, manufactured products have been tested for safety and efficacy, um, and um, it's really felt to be very safe. So in addition to this combination product, we also give the separate single vaccines, Haemophilus influenza B, pneumococcal vaccine, as well as the liquid um, oral vaccine called rotavirus. So some of these are ones that are similar in adults. So in adults, we do give the tetanus 
diphtheria pertussis update as one of the recommended updates for the every 10-year tetanus vaccine. But then the other updates are just your standard tetanus diphtheria. So adults get similar vaccinations, obviously at a different dose. But tetanus is something that you would do about every 10 years. Now, polio is something that there have been some polio-like viruses that have had outbreaks throughout the mainland. But polio is another one of those ones that we thought we eradicated polio throughout the United States and, and actually throughout the world. And there are still vaccination efforts in various countries to try and eradicate that. Usually in adults, I would recommend polio update if you're traveling to certain areas where there might have been an outbreak or if you've never had an update. I'm curious, now hepatitis B we spoke about, and there are some new ones. So you mentioned rotavirus. How long have we had a vaccine for rotavirus? And it's an oral vaccine because that's how you would get exposed, right? Yep. So it'll help simulate immunity in the intestines. And um, it's a vaccine that actually came out when I was still in training. So that's dating myself, but it's a a vaccine that became available, I'm guessing, so approximately 1996 or so. And I actually took care of infants in the hospital that were severely dehydrated, several babies. Um, But with the introduction of the rotavirus vaccine, when I worked in the hospital before now work in the clinic, I didn't take care of any rotavirus babies at all. So it was, it's made a significant difference in reducing severe illness due to diarrhea from rotavirus infection. And sometimes we hear about rotavirus or actually something related, norovirus, mm-hmm. on cruise ships. Yeah. So don't get those. What a way to bum out your entire vacation, literally. By having those sorts of symptoms. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and you're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of these vaccinations that children should get, how there might be similar vaccines in adults, and what else we can do to protect ourselves from infections that we really can avoid as we go through life. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with Dr. Doreen Ueka, and she is from Kaiser Permanente, and she's a pediatrician for the last 20 years or so, and we're talking a little bit about immunizations. Right before the break, we talked a little bit about the the fun or lack thereof of getting a rotavirus infection. And there's some other things that, other vaccinations that are recommended for children as they get older. And so you mentioned pneumococcal vaccine, and that's something in the adult population we promote heavily as well for anyone with a chronic lung disease, diabetes, or anyone over 65. So you give a similar vaccine to kids. I know it can cause pneumonia in adults. What does it help to prevent in kids? So streptococcus pneumonia is a bacteria that has been a severe culprit in in bacterial infections, especially severe in young infants and young children. So it runs the gamut of um, sinus infections, ear infections, pneumonia, blood infections, and um, one of the most devastating is bacterial um, meningitis from strep pneumonia. So also I've seen cases of that um, early in my training, and it's devastating 
um, I feel that parents don't realize that such a huge valuable opportunity to protect their children from these vaccine preventable infections. Um, so the children that don't get vaccinated, um, we do counsel parents very carefully about about recognizing more than just a runny nose cold for their kids because these infections are dangerous and deadly in many cases. And it's almost entirely preventable if you can get the vaccine at an appropriate age and you don't have to have the child suffer through those various illnesses. Yes. None of which I would want to have at any age. Now, you also mentioned that Hib vaccine, the Haemophilus influenza B, what does that protect against? Similarly, Hib is, Hib is a bacterial infection that is tricky for kids and very dangerous as well, similarly causing infections like strep pneumonia. So pneumococcal and Haemophilus influenza are equally valuable for young infants because they're bodies are easily overwhelmed with aggressive um, infections. So um, similar sinus, sinuses, pneumonia, ear infections, um, brain infections. So so now as, and you don't want to get any of those, we don't have a similar vaccination for adults of the Haemophilus influenza. We don't give that to adults. Presumably they may have a lower risk as they get older. It's just not a vaccine that's on the regular schedule. But one of the ones that is on the adult schedule that I think we're going to talk about the pediatric version, you know, there's a shingles shot shortage. And if I say that 10 times, trouble is going to happen. But uh, people, when they get older, can sometimes get the shingles. And there's a great shingles shot out there called Shingrix. And that's a particular vaccine that has been shown with two shots in the series to give up to 98, 99% protection against shingles, which comes from the same virus, chickenpox. Now, when I was young, and probably when you were young, we got chickenpox yep. as an infection. Yep. Chickenpox, and siblings got chickenpox, yep. cousins got chickenpox. They all got it together. My yep. mother said when one of us had it, put them all together, let them play together, let them all get it. I don't want to deal with this again. So chickenpox is a virus, and sometime in the mid-90s, they developed a vaccine to prevent current kids from getting it, which in my mind means they're not going to get shingles when they're older because they've never had the pox. Lucky them. But when do you get chickenpox vaccinations? So routine recommendation is at 12 months of age, and then the booster can be given after at least, I believe, six months. But we typically give it at three or four. We give it usually at three years of age with a combination shot with the measles, mumps, rubella um, vaccine. And do you ever lose the immunity from the chickenpox vaccine? I've never seen... I honestly haven't seen anyone born after whatever year they started using it coming in with chickenpox. But, you know, certainly I have seen other adults come in who, for whatever reason, they have never been exposed. And it's usually pretty surprising because anyone who's out in the public, the immunity rate is very high for people our age or, or even yeah. a little younger. For adults, Because we've all dangerous. had it. Yeah. Right. But when you get chickenpox as an adult, it is bad news. Yes. Are the kids who get the two shots protected for life? That's the thinking is, although we do boost with the Shingrix as you get older, so it doesn't seem entirely clear to me that we're actually protected for the rest of our lives if we need the Shingrix. Well, we're protected because we had the pox. Yes, yes, yes. We we do see kids with shingles, though, who've who've been vaccinated, and that's puzzling because you don't know if their vaccine didn't work or... or What happened? Hmm. But they clearly have shingles, so it's, it's... Sorry for them. Yes. Because I don't want to get that. It's unfortunate. It's usually not dangerous for the patients I see, but it can be with the involvement of the face especially. Sure. And it's, it's, you know, I'm not volunteering for that one. 
I don't want to get shingles. I want to get the shot. It's currently on a shortage, but when I'm old enough, I am first in line, I'll tell you. I want to get that one. Now, you mentioned another vaccine that we give, the MMR, the measles, mumps, rubella. And throughout the mainland, there's been a little bit of a measles outbreak recently, and that's been in communities, and we've had some in the islands, communities that have not vaccinated to a certain level to prevent the measles from infecting children. So that's a combination shot, measles, mumps, and rubella. When is that given, and what are those diseases like if you happen to get them? So that's that's given at 12 months of age also routinely. Um, it's also given earlier than 12 months of age if a younger infant a infant over six months of age is traveling to a, a country where there's less immunization. That's a rates. key point. So We, we had a case earlier. where somebody didn't get their measles, mumps, rubella shot in Hawaii, traveled at six months of age, and never got the shot and came back with measles. Wow. Don't do that. Wow. Consult the travel medicine department if possible. Um, we I've definitely um, had cases. Patients go to I think it was Italy last year that the infant got two measles shots before when she was about seven or eight months of age because there was a big outbreak there. So, so it can be given early if you're traveling. Yes, but usually you give it about twelve months. Twelve months of age, and then the booster. One booster is given usually at three three years of age. Um, it can be given earlier as well, but three years of age or and adults if you're traveling you can also get a booster so i see them when they're over 18 or even you know beyond that when they're much older and if you were if you were not infected with measles mumps or rubella and i think the year that they quote is if you're born before 1959 you might have had it or 1957 i think if you were born after that then you probably need to get the vaccine. So even adults might get a booster of measles, mumps, rubella. Yes, yes. So we, we do, um, it is available for um, Kaiser to get boosters, even for our teenagers, 18, that are graduating from high school. I, I have the discussion with them, and I think many of them have um, wanted to get the booster, especially if they're going off to college in the mainland or if they're traveling. But um, uh, MMR booster is safe to give and often going to be helping the, the um, immunity. Well, and the other key aspect is anytime you apply for any kind of education to go to school, whether it be high school, college, going to medical school, nursing school, any professional school, they always ask, did you get your measles, mumps, rubella shot? Yes. And sometimes they want proof of immunity. So they actually want a blood test as well. So very important that you protect yourself because you are also protecting all those folks around you as well. Now, one of my faves, we're going to talk a little bit about meningitis shots. There's not one, there's two. There were none when I was young. So now there's these other meningitis shots. That's when we talk about going away to school and stuff. That's one of those other times when you would look at boostering vaccinations. When are those given? So the uh, meningitis vaccine, the routine meningitis vaccine, has four strains, A, C, W, and Y. And there's different companies that make it. But it's given usually at the 11 to 12-year-old physical visit or age Um, and then a booster is usually given at 16 years of age however if the child has not gotten one before 16 and we see them at 16 from 16 years of age to just get one so there is a vaccine available it is recommended that you get it you can get it as young as 11 or 12 years old and if you've waited until you're over 16, there might be a different number of shots yes but definitely consider getting it it's very important very very deadly You don't want to get meningitis, and you certainly don't want to be heading off to college somewhere in a group environment, increasing your potential risk of exposure, and then getting sick with something like that. Yes, absolutely. 
All right. We definitely don't want that. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Doreen Uyoka from Kaiser Permanente. And when we come back, we're going to talk about one of my other favorite shots, HPV shots. Why is that important? Why can it still be done? And hey, the age range has expanded. So if you previously were just a little too old to get it, maybe not anymore. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what that means and who is it available to to get that HPV, very important shot. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Doreen Uyoka from Kaiser Permanente. And we're talking about vaccinations. Why are they important? What are they for? And how can they help protect people from getting sick throughout their entire lives? So, so far, we've talked a little bit about hepatitis vaccinations, both A and B. We've talked about tetanus, diphtheria, polio, hemophilus influenza, B vaccination, pneumococcal vaccination, rotavirus vaccine. We've talked a little bit about measles, mumps, rubella, and we've also talked a little bit about the chicken pox vaccine that I wish I had gotten instead of the pox, but too late for me. We talked about the measles, the meningitis shots, HPV. Now, the good news is it used to just be up until the age of 26. And recently, of course, after I passed that age, they said you could actually get this vaccine up to the age of 45. So even though it starts in the pediatric world, it does transfer to the adult world. What do we do with HPV vaccine in pediatrics? For pediatrics, the initial recommendations came out saying that we should vaccinate at 11 to 12 years of age. The vaccine has been approved from the from its inception to be given at nine years of age. Um, so recently, actually, at Kaiser, we've um, decided to promote it from nine years of age, both because the education opportunity is all through those years, early years, as well as the vaccine works better if you vaccine earlier rather than catching the mid-teen who would need three shots in the series to have better better immunization. So um, it's given in addition to the tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis booster um, and the meningitis vaccine typically at the 11-year-old visit, but now we're offering the HPV vaccine at 9 to 10. So HPV stands for human papillomavirus. What sort of conditions can that cause? So I was really excited when this vaccine became available because it's it's safe. It's it's produced as manufactured in the same manner that the other vaccines have been produced in. in. So um, it is a tremendous opportunity to prevent cancer in our in our. It's making a choice, I believe, to help our children have less cancer in their lives potentially. Um, and protect them before they're exposed to this virus um, in their teen and young adult years. I'm excited. It's the only cancer prevention vaccination that we truly have at this time that can be given to anyone just based on age and potential previous exposure or to prevent prior to exposure. So HPV has been associated with cervical cancer. It's been associated with genital warts. It's been associated with some head and neck cancers. And those are things that, although they may seem to be uncommon, do happen and are things that can potentially 
be prevented. So there's certain strains of the HPV virus that are more associated with potential development of cancer than others. So the vaccine really targets those strains. There are many more strains than than the vaccine actually covers, but these have been identified as most strongly linked with leading to cancer. Do you have any pushback from parents about suggesting a vaccine for HPV that we we need to address? Because, you know, it's interesting. Hepatitis B is a potential infection you can get through childbirth, like literally when you're being born. But it also is considered to be a virus you could be exposed with through any type of blood or body fluid products and and hopefully not blood products because they are very well screened in the United States and in most of the developed countries. But it is considered a virus that you could get through sexual transmission. HPV is another virus you could get through sexual transmission. Do you find that people treat the HPV vaccine differently than they do hepatitis? I think for the for the most part, my, my I find that parents are accepting of the the um, recommendation. Now some parents could, if they're below the age of 45, they could also get the yeah, vaccine. Yeah, so I will it could start be, recommending that. You I know, go get it yourself too. Thank right. You. Um, but I do feel that some parents have, like, the biggest issues I find are that people are a little frightened that it's an, it's a, it's, it seems like a new vaccine, but it's really not made with any new techniques, um, as well as um, it, it might be difficult for some parents to come to terms that their children may be um, have more intimate relationships and contact where they would be exposed to the to the human papilloma HPV. virus, HPV virus. Um, so I strongly recommend it because it's an opportunity, and I recommend it in the early early um, second decade because you want to protect them before they're exposed. And um, I do have parents think about it. I ask them to, to I give them the information sheet and I ask them to think about it, do whatever research you need to, to, to have an informed decision. Well, that's a really important point that you mentioned is you encourage parents to have an informed decision about what they would like to do for their children. So that's a discussion that I think all people who are giving vaccines, whether it be at a pediatrics office or at an adult office or even in some of the immunization clinics that are around the uh, around the state, it really is about giving you information so that you can make a personal choice. But in the process of making that choice, considering that your choice may have implications for other people in society as well. So at the top of the show, we talked a little bit about the flu shot. I notoriously have patients ask me, should I get it? And I'm like, well, you know, you're asking a doctor. Of course, I'm going to say to go get it. And as a healthcare professional, every year I get my flu shot. I sort of feel it's my duty being the one who potentially sees people and diagnoses them with influenza that I don't spread it to the next patient. And the way that I can avoid doing that is to make sure that I'm also vaccinated. So flu shots are around right now. Everybody should really take a look at getting that. Are there any other vaccines that we haven't really touched on that are super important during this formative time of of kids and their immune system? We've kind of covered. I think we've talked about quite a bit. We've talked about almost all vaccine. Remember, everybody needs to remember that if they haven't gotten a a flu vaccine um, previously, strongly consider it because you have an opportunity to lessen severity of flu. You're not necessarily going to prevent flu. I get the the pushback that I got the flu anyway, or I got I got the flu because I got the vaccine, and you absolutely do not get flu from the vaccine shot. So, um, even if you got a flu shot in the spring of 2019, this fall you need your 2019-2020 flu vaccine. 
So check with your doctor because when it becomes available, it's generally going to be November through April, flu season, but get it before November. Well, and this year we saw even flu cases even through the spring, and the flu shot doesn't last forever. So you do have to get it for the season because it may wear off by the next season. Yep. All right. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. I really appreciate having a chance to review vaccines and sharing with you the information about HPV up to age 45. Of course, that happened when I was 46. As Thank usual. you so much, Kathy. Well, we're very happy to have you. That was Dr. Doreen Uyoka from Kaiser Permanente. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can always click on our podcast, hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. There's also a fantastic HPR app that if you don't have on your phone yet, you really want to. You can scroll through all the different shows for the day, and you can listen to those again and pick up those tidbits that you might have missed right when you were getting out of the car. All right, our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week here on The Body Show.